Hi, this is John Reed with another installment of the Free From Corporate America radio show. And I want to dive right into this chapter, The Internet Changes Everything or Maybe Not, and talk a little bit about an aspect of the Internet that I think we don't spend enough time on in terms of how it can help us with our ventures. One of the things that I really believe in in, in this book is and I talk about it in the success and failure chapter also, is that we need to move beyond the concepts of success and failure and view our interaction with markets and our own dreams as a continuous loop uh, where we're incorporating feedback from the market and from what people like that we produce and try to find a balance between that and doing things that we love to do. One of the things in my book that is sort of a, the biggest contradiction inside my book is on the one hand, I really warn people not to put off pursuing things they're passionate about, and I often suggest finding different ways of approaching something that you care about in order to make sure that it is marketable, be, marketable because that's the challenge. You see, uh, obviously I'm not <laughs> the first person to point this out, but there's a lot of people out there who still really believe that it's just as simple as doing what you love. The famous book around the topic was Do What You Love and the Money Will Follow, but there's many people who believe in these themes. And the flaw in that approach is that not everything you love to do uh, creates a path towards money. It's just that simple. Some of us were born with things, with talents that really line up well with the market. You take some someone like a sports agent, like Scott Boris or whatever, right? Like, uh, I would imagine he would tell you he loved what he does, and uh, the market for his skills is completely aligned. Whereas, other people may love to do things that are, you know, not nearly as easy to find an audience for. So, it's essentially the strange balance that we're trying to achieve between finding something that we love to do and finding something the market will pay us for. Now, a lot of people have solved that problem, supposedly, by working jobs they don't really care about and fitting in their hobbies and things that they love to do in their free time. The problem I see with that is that over the course of our lives, most of us dedicate most of our wake waking hours to work. And so if you really can't deal with your work, it doesn't bring you a source of fulfillment, but... Uh, it enables these other things you cram into the cracks of your life. So you're living for the cracks, essentially. You're living for the edges of your life, and there's this big void of just toiling and sacrifice and dissatisfaction in the middle. Uh, and one would like to think we can do better than that. So what are we trying to do? We're trying to find a balance between doing things that we love and doing things that are marketable. Not everything we love can be turned into a marketable pursuit, but some things can, and that's our ultimate goal, so that more and more the things that we do tie in directly with things that we love. Uh, as an example in my own life, my vision of where I want my life to be five, six, seven years from now is I really want, I don't have any illusions that I will be out of the business world, but what I'm hoping is I can use my business skills solely for the promotion and management of my own creative projects. So I wouldn't essentially have any clients anymore, and I would spend all my time that I wasn't uh, working on my creative pursuits essentially 
marketing and managing my pursuits. So that's the vision of where I want my life to go, and I'm doing a number of things to try to get there. But in the meantime, I've kind of fallen back on my trade, which is, in my case, a niche in the SAP consulting and career arena. And that's how I pay my bills, and that's how it's going to be for the foreseeable future. And I do uh, have a passion for what I do in that field, but I guess you could say there are, are passions that are more consuming and more compelling to me. So that's where that is. Now, so how does this tie in with the Internet Changes Everything chapter? Since that's where I'm going to place this podcast, what is the connection? Well, the connection is this. When we talk about things we really want to do, and we start to think about how we're going to connect those things to the market, one of the big problems is how do you know what's marketable and what's not? Sometimes you can just tell, but a lot of times you can't. And historically, companies have spent reams of money on the market research to determine which products are going to be successful and which ventures are going to be successful. And in fact, that was really one of the barriers to entry to business in a lot of situations is that a lot of people who wanted to get into certain fields, they didn't have the deep pockets to assess which markets were going to be viable for them and which weren't. Well, in the Internet age, you can really incorporate what I talk about in terms of this feedback loop. Now, the Internet is not the only place where you can conduct a feedback loop. It just happens to be the most accessible and affordable way. So when you start to get ideas, you start thinking, well, you know, how could I turn these ideas into a marketable venture? For example, let's say I'm thinking of a friend of a friend who developed some expertise, started to write uh, and consult around natural pregnancy and childbirth or what have you. All right, well, it sounds somewhat marketable. A good first step would be to create a website maybe even just start doing a blog or something and start publishing content on the topic or start putting information out there and start seeing what kind of response you get. Sometimes you'll be very surprised. Uh, Sometimes you won't get any response in areas where you thought you would get a lot. Now, of course, response can be measured in a variety of ways on the Internet. You can even look at it in terms of traffic. So any website can be equipped with web traffic analysis where you can really get a feeling for where visitors on your site are going. Now, some of this is, I guess, misleading in that some people are a lot better than others at optimizing their site for search engines, and so it's not just a completely level playing field in terms of putting your information out there. But the point is that you can get this feedback loop going with the Internet, and It's very, very different than selling a product or a service, and I want to make that clear because a lot of people think about the Internet in terms of a full-fledged business idea. They don't think of it in terms of market research, but it really can be that. And I have friends who have been very successful online, and when they want to test new ventures, they start by adding another section to their website, which contains this new speculative idea or venture. And then as they get feedback on that, they get a much better sense of whether the market is going to support that idea or not. Now, I've learned this kind of stuff the hard way because I actually maintain four websites right now. Uh, I've got johnreed.net, which is my essays and writing site, which which was never really meant to be a truly commercial venture. 
Then I've got Resumes from Hell, which is the website that supports the book Resumes from Hell. I've got Free from Corporate America, which is the website that's built around this book. And now I've got johnerp.com, which is a next-generation SAP website, the most elaborate website that I built that includes podcasts and blogs and basically an interactive website around SAP consulting and careers. So I have four websites going. So I'm in a position to measure traffic and measure the success of each of these ventures, not in terms of how much money people are spending on the sites necessarily, but in terms of how much traffic I'm getting and what kind of feedback I'm getting for different ideas on the sites. And one thing, of course, we have to keep in mind is that people are very busy, and so uh, in the chaos of modern life, there's just not that many people that are going to respond to you uh, about web-related things unless it really taps into a need they have or, or you may be pissed them off, which happens to me uh, somewhat frequently on johnreed.net in particular. Um, I tend to judge the feedback loop, especially in terms of email correspondence. And the reason for that is that I figure that in this day and age, someone that takes the time to email you about something that matters to them based on your website information that really shows you that you've tapped into an audience and that you're connecting with that audience. Now, my dream was that johnreed.net would lead me to that audience, and that was the first website that I built. And I actually get some pretty good traffic on that site, despite its somewhat backwards design and the fact that uh, there's a lot more I want to do with the site that I haven't had time to do. But I get a lot of traffic, and I do get some email. But, you know, I'm not tapping into a market with that site. It doesn't have a business focus. That's not the point. Uh, I get. I was kind of hoping that that site would lead me towards business opportunities of various kinds. Uh, for example, like a larger publication might come a-calling. Uh, to use the New Yorker as an extreme example, like, you know, maybe they see the site and who is this guy we'd like to get him a right force or whatever. So I was kind of hoping I would get a little more of that, and that just flat out has not happened, and that's just a fact. As much as I would have wanted it to happen, it just wasn't in the cards. Uh, so what can you do, right? Um, you really wanted all these things to transpire through your site, and none of them did. On the other hand, uh, that site has changed my life in many ways. Uh, the kind of emails I get from readers are amazing, like, uh, I've met some of my idols that I've written about in the music world, and just the emails I get from readers sometimes just blow me away. Uh, and I don't get the amazing ones that often, but when they come in, it's just it makes you feel like everything you did is worthwhile. But here's what's interesting. That site is the least successful of my four sites in terms of generating business opportunities and such. So... When people say, do what you love or the money will follow, well, um, how does my website fit into that, right? I mean, I put so many hours, so much time into johnreed.net, and it didn't open up business opportunities for me. That's just a fact. And I, I did leverage the uh, opportunities I got from that site in a variety of ways, but the fact of the matter is that it didn't make money for me. It wasn't necessarily the point. But again, when people say do what you love and the money will follow, they don't qualify that in any way. They just say it. So I'm here to say that doesn't always work. And so we have we have to step away from the idealism around that. But at the same time, 
we don't want to just abandon that, which is what you find other people doing and saying, well, you know, okay, well, work sucks, but I suck it up because it makes all these other things happen for me. And the goal of this book is to basically change that whole dynamic so that we are working in a way that does invoke as much passion as possible, but also working towards financial objectives that will make us less dependent on work in the first place. Uh, now, getting back to the Internet chapter a little bit further, I, I've wandered a little bit, but it is coming back around. Uh, ResumesFromHell.com was my next site, and then FreeFromCorporateAmerica.com was my next site after that. Now, I did arguably make a mistake with those two websites as well, and I'll tell you what that was. Resumes from Hell was a book that my co-author, Rachel Myers, and I, we felt from the beginning that it just was going to be a huge success. Uh, we'd had so much positive feedback from the material, and uh, just we just had a gut feeling that this book could really just be that classic example of one of those funny, freaky books that just sort of breaks out and uh, gets a lot of attention. Uh, so we, we just thought we'd have that kind of success. There was... Um, a book about that did that sold really well about it was called non status mentis and it was about uh, bad college uh, freshman essays like a history of the world based on all those essays and it was a fairly similar kind of topic and it did really well so we were like yeah we could do this and uh, there were a lot of hurdles to overcome because I knew I wanted to publish it directly and not go through a publisher though we did talk to a couple publishers and blah 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 the point is that we fixated on the idea of the book, put all the energy into the book, but we did, never did any market testing around how responsive people would be to this topic once it was online. Now, the same is actually true from Free From Corporate America. I really thought this would be a neat book in the sense that it taps into things I truly care about. It connects with business topics and issues in a pretty unique way. There's no other book like it that I know of. Uh, though, I mean, you can make some comparisons in certain ways, but there's no book quite like this one that has a business philosophy and an approach, but a little bit of an attitude or edge around freedom. And it's just a, you know, it's a different kind of book. Now, whether that makes it good or bad uh, or successful or unsuccessful is open to discussion. But the point is, I built the website not in a speculative way, but I spent a lot of money on the website and then proceeded to write all my chapters, and I didn't worry about what kind of feedback I was getting, though I did get some really nice feedback here and there. The point is that a better way to go about this type of thing is to wait until you get feedback and then gradually tip your toes into the water. Don't spend huge money on sites that – it's not just the money on the site, but when you build a site like this, you're locking yourself into a particular idea or approach also – you're saying, this is my model, and so to reinvent the model once you built it out is problematic. So you're trying to tip your toes in the water. Now, with johnerp.com, which is my SAP career site, Career Answers for SAP Professionals, I did it totally the opposite in the sense that I've been serving as the career expert on Search SAP for a number of years. I also have a book on SAP consulting, and I would get tons of questions and emails and uh, book sales have been steady as well. So I knew the market was there. I knew people were emailing me and checking them on all kinds of issues. Every hour of the day or night, all over the world, I'm getting pinged by emails and questions about SAP career trends. So I know it's a marketable thing. Uh, 
So when I built the website, that's pretty much how it's transpired. It's already got more traffic than the, any of my other sites, and uh, I get more emails from more people all hot and bothered about their career issues than I get emails from any of my other sites. Uh, so, you know, so you take a look at that and you say, all right, so here's these do-what-you-love people who say, ah, you know, uh, do what you love and the money will follow. What a bunch of crap, right? Like, like the site that I have the least passion for of my four websites is the one that gets by far the most feedback and is the most marketable, and that's just a fact. Now, having said that, I do really love the site, and I love what I've been able to do with it, and it's generated a lot of client business for me, and I think it's going to make it possible for me to continue to not have to work full-time, but to take on consulting engagements through the site and through my clients and such. So I have no regrets about the new SAP site whatsoever. But the point is that that was the first venture that I've taken on in in a number of years that was really based on uh, this fundamental approach I'm recommending here. And that's one reason why I'm recommending it is because it works so much better. You go where the feedback loop is. And so you tip your toes in the water. And the Internet is one beautiful way to do that. And you put up just a little bit of information, a little bit of content, put it out there a little bit. Uh, start that blog, start publicizing a little bit, see what kind of connections you start to make. Uh, maybe make some phone calls to people in the field, start talking with them a little bit, make a few partnership arrangements, swap links, swap some traffic, start to get a feeling for how you're going to fit into this broader ecosystem or whatever industry that you're involved in. And it's not selling a product or service, but it's testing the waters. And as you get a feeling for it, what you hopefully find is you hopefully find something that is the best balance between something you care about and something that's marketable. And over time, you take the funds from that and you pull yourself further and further away from the need to work every day and or you take those funds and you invest them more and more in things that, you're, that you know you would love to do if you had the money or time. And so, for example, for me, if I had a whole lot of money saved for my ventures, I might invest in a film. I might produce it myself. I might get in on someone else's film that I enjoyed. Now, the chances of a film making money are pretty small, but there are some that are made on a fairly small budget that do very, very well. You get a huge return on your investment from something like that, and it pulls you even closer to things you love to do. So you're taking your money from your ventures, you're setting it aside, and you're putting it in assets that will generate income, and you're pushing more and more towards pursuing projects that might be what you call like that long ball potential where there's more of a risk of striking out, but there's more of a risk of hitting a home run. But the beauty of it is that if you have a lot of money saved, you can afford to put 10 or 20% of it into something fairly speculative. So that's the approach that I look at it. Um, so the other thing that I talk about here in the Internet Changes Everything chapter, to get more specific about this chapter, is that it's the whole if you build it, they will come model. The thing to understand about the Internet is that the Internet went through a period where advertising online, banner advertising, really bottomed out. Uh, and it didn't look like the future of Internet advertising was promising at all. But then Google came back in to the fray, and some other sites followed suit, with contextual ads that are tied into the content of a particular page. And suddenly you have all this advertising potential based on targeting niche audiences and such. 
on my SAP site, for example, I have Google Ads embedded in that site that touch on the content in the site, provide a visibility for advertisers, and I get paid every month for uh, impressions and or click-throughs from those ads. So, uh, so this is a big change in how the uh, Internet economy has worked the last couple of years where suddenly online advertising is a viable model and, the, and creating a niche site, uh, you can definitely make some money that way. Now, I think for a lot of people, especially the first two, three years, uh, sites in existence is not going to be enough just to make some money advertising or what have you. You're trying to roll out different products and services, and you may have to do some consulting or whatever it is in order to foot the bills, but you could get some great consulting leads off the site or whatever it is you're trying to do. Uh, websites obviously also fit into your overall goal of branding yourself within your industry, which is another thing I really emphasize in my book. So you can accomplish a lot with the Internet without spending a huge amount of money or uh, saying I'm formally launching a business. It can essentially help you to test case certain ideas and also improve your overall recognition in the market. And that can make a huge difference even if you remain you know, as a full-time employee for a larger company for the foreseeable future. So there's a lot more to say about the Internet, I suppose. And... Uh, let me just see if there's anything from the chapter I want to share. Um, well, I think it's just basically the idea that you don't want to back off from the idea of making money off your ventures. If you're contributing something positive to the marketplace, there's no shame in making money off of it. Uh, so I say in here, claiming economic power and more specifically, monetizing your ventures is not a sign of selling out. It's a sign that you are sick of scrambling and ready to live. So I think that many times the Internet can play a role in that for us. And while Internet culture can be somewhat sensitive towards people trying to make money, there are subtle and effective ways of doing that. And what you do is you step back and you say to yourself, how can I make a difference in people's lives through my ventures? And then by providing that value, can I also essentially place a price on some of what I provide in a way that makes sense to everyone involved? And there's all kinds of models. In many cases, you go a MySpace route and you provide uh, much free content and services in exchange for advertising revenue. But that's not the only model. Uh, there's many different ways to approach it. But the key that I'm trying to emphasize is simply this is your chance to use the Internet as one major way of testing market ideas and beginning to understand which of your skills is the most marketable and, and which audiences are the most responsive to your particular skills and approaches. As you fine-tune that, you're going to get a much better idea of not only how to do things you love, but to get paid for those things in a way that is forward-thinking in your life and not just a pipe dream. So this, to me, is the way to balance that idealistic do-what-you-love fantasy land with the reality of needing to put food on the table now. And you find that happy medium, and then you work more and more towards the dreamier aspects of it without losing sight of the practical techniques that we're employing here. So I probably will return to this chapter in the future because there's even more to talk about, but I hope that this podcast gave some helpful context towards how to use the Internet to, to test your ventures, and how to potentially strike that all-important balance between what you love and what's going to pay the bills at the end of the month. 
so good luck getting a little freer from corporate America, and I'll see you next time around on the Free From Corporate America radio show. <laughs>